So there are four words that every book of the Bible points to. It is? Okay, tell you what we're going to do. I've been doing these motions. Some weeks I have you do the motions with me. You're preaching through the Bible, trying to help you understand it. If you'll participate, I'm going to let you stay seated, all right? But I've got to have more enthusiasm than that. So it's look forward to Jesus. Ah, there you go. You want to stay seated. Okay, that's fine, all right? So last night, it's kind of funny, Pastor Shane, we're in my prayer room, he goes, uh, those signs, those, the, those hand motions, are those like a thing? And I'm like, no, nah, I made them up. He goes, oh, okay, I thought I missed something back there. So anyway, so all right, we have, we have hand motions to help you remember or preach to the Bible, right? So the first one is, well, you don't have to make it. You don't have to do it. You just totally just stay seated, just relax, but you have to say what they are, okay? Creation, Creation gets flooded, okay? Not bad. Could get a little better, all right? All right. Oh, we're standing pretty soon. <laughs> I don't get it. You look so attentive every week. <laughs> the family, the family, what? Okay, we're both failing on this, right? Makes their way to the promised land. Come on. Okay. Ad, Abraham was chosen. I have to re-preach this, all right? And, and he, they went, they go to the promised land, then they go to Egypt because of a famine, then they spend how long there? 400 years. Oh. Hang on. Reset. All right, look forward to Jesus. Are you ready? All right, first one is... Creation gets flooded. The second one, the chosen family makes their way to the promise. I'm just going to give you the answers, all right? And then the next one is conquer and settle. <laughs> okay. Go back previous weeks. Watch the message. I did this. You did this. You faked me out. I thought you knew him, okay? It's conquer and settle. It's, it's Joshua and Judges. And then it's... All right. Do we dare risk? Saul? All right, good. Divided we fall. Northern kingdom fell first. What am I going to ask you? Southern kingdom, Judah, right? And then? You like that one. Shape up or ship out. Message of the prophets, right? Last week it was poetry and wisdom. And then? Okay, four years of silence. All right, I'm just going to tell you. The previous two services were more attentive during the past several weeks. How is that a nice way to put it? I want you to go back and re-review our notes class, okay? So next week you are standing up. No. All right. So anyways, uh, this weekend I am off. I get to, to relax. I've heard a great sermon twice already. It's Pastor Shane. So would you give a warm CLC welcome to one of our own, Pastor Shane Walters. Yes. This is my crowd. None of you knew the hand signs. That's why I wasn't allowed to do them. Thank you so much. The, the nerds in the first two services, they got it all. This is my crowd right here. I said, Pastor, do you want to set me loose with some hand signals? He said, no. So, um, so I just love this crowd. You know, this is the crowd I connect with. They got all, the, last night in the first service, they got all the answers right growing up. You and I, we're in this together. So we're going to have a good time today. Wow, what a powerful move of God already. Do you feel like you've already been at church today? And I just want to encourage you, 
whatever God began to do in you at this altar, this is not a completion work. This is a place where it's completed. It's just God's beginning to do something. Hold on to these moments and, and pursue Him because I believe God is setting us up for a major move of his spirit, amen? And I believe God is setting CLC up to do some powerful things for the kingdom as we look ahead of what God is doing here at CLC, amen? And so I'm excited about uh, this series. Is kind of we're closing out the Old Testament part. And uh, how many of you enjoyed this series so far throughout the summer? It's been so good, right? And, um, and do you all know the signals now? It was almost like an instinct video. That's all I got. Sorry, Pastor. And uh, last week, Pastor talked about the warmth embrace of Psalm. Was that right? Is that the, is that the right one? Psalm? Is that it? What was it? That's why he doesn't set me loose here. All right. And so last week, Pastor talked through the book of Psalm. And here's what I wanted us to recap. If you haven't watched that service, I'd love for you to go back and watch it. Pastor began to talk about Psalms, and really as I was reflecting on Psalms last week in the book of poetry, the poetry books, it was a place last week when he began to talk about David, and we look at David's life, King David, and David was a great king, one of the greatest kings, the greatest king who ever lived, we know, but he also had tragedy and heartache and hardship and mistakes. And it was almost like there was poetry that came out of David's life, that in the tragedy there was this poetry that, that not only put a humanity to him, but God took something that was messy and still allowed something beautiful to come out of it. And that's the reality of God, that he will take our lives where there's tragedy and pain and, and sin, and he can still cause something to be beautiful that comes out of that. Today we kind of turn the page, the next season of that. We look at the books of what we call the wisdom books. And these were written by Solomon, David's son. And Solomon, the Bible tells us, was the wisest man who ever lived. Now, he wrote that also about himself, so, but he was the wisest man who ever lived. And we're going to look at two books today in, in the Bible. And the first is a book called Proverbs. Now, if you're anything like me, and maybe you grew up in church and you know all these things, for some of you, you're here today and you don't know about the Bible or you don't know about Jesus. I didn't know anything about faith until 18. Um, and I started to really, uh, I came to faith at 18, and man, I, I fell in love with God's Word. And one of the places that really began to help me grow in my faith was the book of Proverbs. The Proverbs is 31 chapters written by Solomon that are really just wisdom nuggets for your life. And, and so I would encourage you, as we go through this, maybe to, to set out on a plan, you can read one chapter a day, and, and through a month, you will have read the whole book of Proverbs. And it will give you a whole new, I believe, just insight to God, his word, and your own life. And Solomon, as he's writing these, uh, this narrative of Proverbs, there's going to be a switch. There's going to be a transition from Proverbs to Ecclesiastes that we'll spend most of the time in today. But in Proverbs, he's really setting out a course of wisdom to give us instructions for our life, how to grow in our life, how to grow in relationships, how to grow in our relationship with God, how we respond to others, how we should love, how we should follow God in all that we do. And he tells us real clearly in Proverbs chapter 1 what he is ultimately setting out to do in Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instructions in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, 
Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And here's what he kind of brings us all to. He said, there's so many profound things about God, but ultimately what he's saying is, I say all these things and teach you these things because you, so that you would understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. What he's saying is it's good that we would know how to follow the, the, the commandments of God. And what he's also showing us is that young in his life, as he's writing this, he understands, he gets it. He's seen God move in his life. He's seen God move in his father. He's seen the promises of God in his life, and he's set out on the right course. And in chapter 3, he kind of reiterates this for us when he says, my son. And when it says my son here, it's talking about us as his children, sons and daughters. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And he's telling us that your life will be blessed when you follow the, the things of God, the ways of God. He gets it. He's set up for success. And, and he has so much wisdom. But here's the question that I ponder when I look at Solomon's life. How could the wisest man who ever lived make some of the dumbest decisions with his life? That Solomon, who was so wise, he misses it along the way. And let me just say from the, from the start here today, all of us will relate to this at some point. All of us are going to miss it on the journey of life. To miss it doesn't make you a mistake. To miss it makes you human. We all miss it on the journey of life. And so Solomon has all this wisdom, but now we look not at the younger part of his life, but we kind of fast forward to the end of his life. And now Solomon is reflecting back in a book called Ecclesiastes. He's reflecting back on his life. He's kind of reflecting on the tensions and the mistakes and the journey of his life. And he's really struggling with his whole idea of purpose. Because Proverbs gives us the wisdom, but, but Ecclesiastes is, is ultimately Solomon looking for purpose in his life. And that's the question for all of us. All of us are ultimately looking for purpose. What is the purpose of my life? And here's the, the crazy thing about that question. Humanity is the only creation that God ever created that asked that question. Have you ever noticed that your dog isn't looking for the purpose of their life? My dog's purpose is to sleep, eat. He used to go outside to go to the restroom. Now he's just so old, just anywhere will work for him. Right? A lion is not looking for its purpose in life. From the beginning of time, lions have chased antelope and gazelle, and they've eaten them. And that's what they've done. The whale does what the whale does. The fish swims. And the nature, their nature just continues to do what they've always done. But there's something different about us as humans. In the beginning, it says that God created us in his image and his likeness. That we were the only creation that was like him. That he saw something inside of us. He put purpose inside of us. 
And we have the ability, we have the choice to live the life that God has created for us, to create a future, to, to do something with our life that is outside of the ordinary that what has already been done. And with, when we look at humans, we're the only species that we say this, that we do inhumane acts, right? We do inhumane acts and, and moments of our life are inhumane, meaning that we live below the standard of what we were created to be. No one looks at the lion and goes, Ow, how inhumane that it eats the gazelle. Right? I mean, it's grotesque. Have you ever watched National Geographic? You're mesmerized by it, aren't you? And you know, and some of you wives are going, run, run, gazelle, run. Oh, don't touch him, don't hurt him. But you know the dads are in there going, jump on him. And we never go, it's inhumane. Why? Because they're living at the standard they were created to live at. But God created us to be different. He says in the New Testament, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Your life is going to have purpose. Your life matters. Let me just say it like this. You are not a mistake. Your life has purpose. You were created in his image and his likeness. You were created to be unique. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. There's something unique and important and empowered in you. But most of us, if we're not careful, we, we live a life below below the whole purpose that we were created to live. And then we look back, if we're not careful in our lives, and we go, man, I missed it. And Solomon is now in Ecclesiastes, he's looking back in his life. And 34 times throughout this whole book of Ecclesiastes, he says this, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. There's probably never been an animal they thought my life is meaningless. But how many of us, we look back on our lives and we go, man, it was meaningless. Did it matter? And I want you to know this, our lives matter. And Solomon looks back on his life in Ecclesiastes 1.14, here's what he says. I've seen everything that is done under the sun and behold, it's all vanity and it's like striving after the wind. What he's doing is he's looking back at his life. And in Solomon's life, there was five big pain points of his life that he looks back on. There was five moments and places that were kind of littered throughout his past where he looks and he goes, I chased this to find purpose. And then I chased that to find purpose. And we're gonna look at the five tests of Solomon's life. And the tests were ultimately, could he find purpose in these things that he pursued? And what he's going to see is, as he looks back, is it all seems meaningless. And in the end, he has to reconcile, what do I do with my life now? So in Ecclesiastes, if you got your, your notes, you can turn them on or open it up there. We're going to look at these five tests together quickly. And the five tests that really kind of litter his past, the place that he has to go back and reconcile, is first of all, it's what we call the wisdom test. There's this place that he looks back on his life that's one of the biggest pains of his life. And he looks back and he goes, did I waste it all? And it's called the wisdom test where, where he begins to believe that if, if I just become smart enough, if I know more, if I get more knowledge, if I get the right degree, if I have a title after my name, then everything will bring purpose. It, it's like I want to know more. 
And he begins to understand that wisdom alone does not bring purpose. And he looks back on his life and it's littered with this place of pain. Here's how he says it in Ecclesiastes 1.16. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were in Jerusalem before me. And my heart has that great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that all this would, uh, I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases in knowledge also increases in sorrow. Here's what he just kept thinking. If I could just know more, consume more, then my life will have purpose. And he becomes the wisest man who ever lives. But what he realizes is the more he takes in, the more the weight that he carries. We live now in a world and a time where, man, we have more access to knowledge and ultimately wisdom than any time in history. And when we look at it from a truly objective place, do you feel better? about your life that you have access to anything and everything at a moment's notice. Do you remember back in the day, and some of you will know, have no idea what I'm talking about, but you had to wait till 11 o'clock to figure out what happened in, your, in just your city that day. And you only got three or four of the nugget pieces. But today in a moment's notice, we can know what's happening at any place in the world at any time. And do you ever feel better about your life the more you consume? Let me ask you like this. Have you ever got off Twitter and went, man, I feel really good about humanity? <laughs> Whew. Man, I feel so much better about people when I consume all this in the social media realm. Isn't it true that the more you consume, it seems like the more weight you carry? And if we're not careful, we will start consuming with wisdom and knowledge and it will make us bitter and broken. It will, it will divide us. Doesn't it seem that the more we consume, the more divided we become? And have you noticed that Solomon, when he's writing this, it always starts with I, 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 I. And then he realizes the more wisdom, the more he obtains, the more knowledge he brings in, the more sorrow he ends up carrying. See, some of us, our lives are so consumed with what's going on with everyone else that we miss the purpose of our own life. Have you ever found yourself in the rabbit trail late at night on YouTube? You started to look up how to fix your car, and the next thing you know, you're trying to figure out how ducks swim. <laughs> you're like, I don't even know how I got here. But you're so fascinated by it, guys. Don't you go, babe, come check this out. And my wife's like, I don't want to see another video. But I go, it's so funny. Last night I was got home, I was like, babe, watch this. It's so funny. She's like, I know what's going to happen. You're going to show me this, and then you're going to want to show me another one. And I did, but it was so funny. And we get consumed with just knowing more that we end up not being more. And Solomon looks back and he just thinks, man, if I get more wisdom and I'm the smartest one in the room, that's gonna put purpose in my life. And he looks back and he goes, it was just chasing after wind. Then he begins to lament on the second place of his life that just is littered with regret. And it's what I call the wine test. 
See, the wine test was ultimately about Solomon and him saying, I just want to have fun with my life. I want to have fun, experience. It's all about a big party. And man, he just lives it up and he looks back and he goes, man, I wasted so much of my life just trying to have fun, consume all that I could in life. He says it like this. So again, I said in my heart, see how this begins? I said, and it always comes back to me. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold of, on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. What he's saying is, man, I held nothing back from myself. Man, I was just gonna have fun. I was just gonna live it up. Life was meant to be a party. And I look back and I, all the wine and all the rough nights and all the things that I consumed and I go, man, it was all meaningless and useless. Now listen, let me just say this, especially to some of you grumpy old dads in here. Some of you are going, see babe, that's why we don't take vacations. We ain't got time for fun in our life. That's not what he's talking about. Some of you need to lighten up and have some fun, okay? Because what does not bring fulfillment to your life than a family trip to Disney in the hot summer in August? Nothing says bring us together like that. So don't leave here and say, you know, pastor's saying don't have fun, we should have fun. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is if your life is just about the party, about having fun, about consuming and having more and doing more and just, man, it's just all one big party, there will be a moment when you look back on your life and go, man, it was all one big waste. There has to be more to life than this. For him, it was, man, he was, he was consuming the wine test. He was just searching for so much more to have fun, the pleasure test. And if all it is is you think your life is about just having fun and partying and, and, and just, you know, just hanging out and hanging loose and, and having fun, and man, you, you, don't want, you don't want anything stressful in your life. You're just going to have fun. There's more to your life than just the pleasure test. The third test he begins to take into his life where he begins to try to find purpose is what I call the work test. The work test is where he looks back on his life and he realizes, man, he had been a season of a life, it was all about the job. It was all about work, work, work. Now, let me just say this again, guys. I'm not saying don't work. Some of you get a job. It'll go much better for you. So I'm just prefacing it, go on vacation and get a job. So, okay, let me just balance this out. But for Solomon, it was all about work. And for some of us, we're trying to find our purpose in what we do. Man, we think our importance is in our job and our title. Uh, we think, man, it's all about the work. And if I work and work and work, I'll have fulfillment in my life. And some of us, we look back on our life and we go, man, look at all that I missed. I was trying to build a career, and somewhere along the way, I lost my purpose. I'm not saying that there's not purpose in your job, because there is. But what I'm saying is if you're trying to find your purpose in what you do, you will miss what God has for you every time. 
Solomon, he looks back. Now, his work was a little bit different than maybe yours and I's. His seems maybe a little more important. I don't know. But he says in Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 6, I made great works. I built houses. I can't hang a picture. He built houses. And he planted vineyards for who? Do you see how it always keeps coming back to him? That when we somehow make life about us, we lose the whole purpose of our life. See, for every other thing in creation, it is about that creation. But for humanity, it is not about us. It is not all about you. That, that, that when Jesus dies on the cross, it was for you, but it was not just about you. And if we're not careful, we'll come to church and we'll think it's about us. It's about me, my feelings, my wants, my desires. And, G and God is saying, this isn't about you. This is what I want to do through you. But Solomon keeps coming back to himself. So he says, I worked, I built houses, I planted vineyards. I made gardens to myself and parks and I planted them with all kinds of fruit trees. He made himself pools. Who does that? Not even singular. Who's made yourself a pool? I don't mean you put some water in a hole. As a kid, you, you swam in the mud. He made himself pools. And what were the pools for? Oh, because they were to water the forest of the growing trees he planted. My man was busy building something. And he spent his whole life building something and building something and building something. When he looks back, he goes, what use was it? Man, some of us, we are so consumed with being at work that we miss our kids growing up. And many times we do that because we're trying to compensate because, man, maybe something that our dad didn't do for us, but we're, there's this tension inside of us. We try to find our identity and our worth and our value. Isn't it amazing we live in a society that we put value on people by what they do, not who they are? Man, we, we've tried to instill in our kids, even at the youngest age, value is never in what your job title is. We're going to honor the man who picks up our trash the same way we'd honor the doctor who looks after us because they add such great value to our life. Your value is not in what your title is, what your position is. Your value is in who you are. But Solomon was trying to find his value in what his job said he was. And if you're trying to find your value in your title, you will miss what God has for you along the way because it will never be enough. And he looks back on his life, and here was his problem. He was trying to live up to his dad's reputation. His dad was the greatest king who ever lived. He was trying to outdo someone. He was trying to outperform someone. He was trying to prove himself. And he wasted so much of his life working to prove something. And what I want you to know, the greatest freedom is having nothing to prove. The greatest freedom is having nothing to prove. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The fourth place of his life was what I call the wealth test. The wealth test. That he thought he was going to find his purpose and how much he had. 
And so he looks back on his life. And by the way, let me just say this. Not only was Solomon the wisest man who ever lived, he was also the wealthiest man who ever lived. His modern day wealth would have been the equivalent of 2.2 trillion, say trillion, trillion dollars. He consumed at a whole new level. So he thought, if I just have more, then, man, my life is going to be fulfilled. So here's what he gathered. Listen, in in chapter 2, verses 8, he said, I gathered for myself silver and gold. How much? Listen. And the treasure of kings and provinces. He had the wealth of kings and nations. And I love this next line. You're going to have to just bear with Pastor Shane for just a second. I got singers. Who gets singers? He literally had the first iPod that ever existed. But his wasn't, I download and listen to it. He literally had people following him around that would just sing whatever he wanted. How awesome is that? I mean, if you were just trying to get pumped up, you could have a little vanilla ice. Ding, 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 da, da, ding, 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 ding. All right, stop collaborate and like whatever he wanted man he just needed to have a little boost he'd have Caleb come out and sing him a song I could sing of your love like whatever it was just imagine how beautiful that'd be to have me around with you all day he had it at his disposal he had so much wealth he and he just begins to consume and consume he said, I got singers, both men and women, and concubines, the delights of the Son of Man. So I, became, uh, so I became great and surpassed all who was before me in Jerusalem. He's searching for his identity. And my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I, kept from, I, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. I mean, I worked hard. I earned it. I deserved it. Like, just give me more and more and more. It was all about him. He says, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expanded in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. There was nothing left to be gained under the sun. I had it all, and I had nothing And some of us, we think, if I just had more, I would have something. He had it all. And he goes, I have nothing. I look back on my life and I see that the wisdom didn't fulfill me and the work didn't fulfill me and the wealth wasn't sustaining enough and the wine and the pleasure wasn't enough. And then he thought this. Man, if I just had more people that loved me. And this is what I call his ultimate test. This was his biggest folly. It was called the woman test. And by the way, no man's ever passed it. (laughs) Teasing. Man, if I just had more women that loved me. He looks back and he had 700 wives. Why? How many would just be, I'm in enough trouble with one. (laughs) And all the men said, and some of you us are cowards. (laughs) 300 concubines, and what it was ultimately about was this. They began to shift his heart away from God and the things of God. 
And he just thought, man, if someone else would love me, if someone else would affirm me, and he would find pleasure in other people and other things, then that would bring value to my life. In all these pursuits, he looks back on his life in the biggest pains, in the biggest moments, in the biggest seasons. And he goes, it was all meaningless. And here's the truth. In context, work is not bad, but it's not your value. Wealth isn't bad, but what is it for? What are you pursuing in your life? And he looks back on his life and he sees so much regret just littering the trail of his heart. And here's what I discovered as I was praying about this, that wisdom is not about always being right. True wisdom is deciding to get it right. Wisdom is not always about being right. Wisdom is having the courage to get it right, to reconcile those moments of your past. Because what we do not reconcile from our past will always be, it will always be the clutch, the, the cuff of our life to have freedom moving forward. And so Solomon now, at old age, with all of his wisdom, reflects on his life. And he looks back on his heart and he goes, man, It wasn't wisdom alone, but it was Jesus. It was God. And he goes back and he, he thinks about the wine and the, the fun. He said, I live for pleasure. And it meant nothing. And he goes back and he begins to reconcile the wealth. Man, if I, I thought if I had more, I would be fulfilled. Man, if I... If I was a good king, if I worked hard enough, man, if I, if I just worked and proved myself, my dad would have accepted me. My dad would have been proud of me. Whatever it is, he begins to go back and he looks and he says, the work, it wasn't enough. See, wisdom brought him back to reconcile the pain. And then he looks back and he said, I had all these women and I had all these things that ultimately all they did was bring destruction to my soul. And he looks back on his life And he has the decision to make. Do I reconcile my past? Or do I just ignore it and pretend it never happened? And what he does and the hope that we have is that he returns to God and he reconciles. Before I knew Jesus, man, it was all about pleasure. It was all about whatever I wanted to do. And Jesus reconciled my past. See, for some of you, these may not be your test. You probably have a different test. But I think there's a moment that we can learn from Solomon where we have to return to the point of our biggest pains so that God can bring healing and renewal in our lives. Because your best days are not done it's not finished. There is purpose in your life. Your life matters. 
You were not created to be a lion with no purpose, a gazelle with no purpose. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. Your life matters. There is purpose. There is a point to it. And man, you can look back and go, I missed it. But wisdom is not always getting it right or being right. It's about choosing to get it right, to make it right, to heal, to reconcile, to move forward to a life that God has for you. And so he says this, and this is what we would call in the serious thread, the look forward to Jesus moment. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse 13 and 14. He says this, this is the end of the matter. You know what he's saying? I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm bringing healing to this today. I'm not carrying my past into my future. I'm going to get it right. Oh, I know I'm wise and I should have been right. Let me tell you something. No one is always going to get it right. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to have failures. You're going to have disappointments. Your dad would have let you down. Someone wasn't there. Someone hurt you. You missed it. You missed the opportunity. You missed it. But when will you say this is the end of that? I'm choosing to move forward. God will not make you put an end to it. He will let you live the life of a littered past until you say, I'm drawing a line in the sand. No more unforgiveness. No more uh, unresolved hurt. No more, I'm not doing this anymore. I choose today. And even if the, the past rears its ugly head, this is the end of the matter. Here's what I'm gonna do. All has been heard. It's done. I'm not going to be defined by that anymore. I'm going to fear God and I'm going to keep his commands. I'm going to do what he says. For this is the whole duty of man. You want to know what your purpose is? To be all that God created you to be. Your life matters. For God will bring in for every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil, meaning this, that God's going to deal with it if I don't. Come on, somebody. And maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Can I tell you something? He's not mad at you. He loves you. He'll let you walk out of here just like you came in, but he doesn't want you to. He wants to be the one who walks behind you to pick up the littered pain of your past to bring healing by letting him into your heart to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says he'll forgive you of your past if you just just cling to Jesus. For some of you, you know God so well, but man, let's just be honest. Over these last couple years, some of us, man, we've just become bitter we become so religious that we've lost our love, man. We, we have fought fights that didn't matter and we just hold on and we've allowed the things that really don't matter to separate us because we've become so wise that we've lost our love. Come on. Some of you, man, you, you've been looking for your identity in all the wrong places. Some of you, you've been trying to prove something to somebody just hoping they would affirm you. No matter where you are on the journey, here's what I want you to know. Solomon gives us hope in this one point. This could be the end of the matter. 
meaning this, I'm choosing to live a life of purpose, not a life in search of it. So we listen to this song today, just give me Jesus. I wonder what it is in your path that you've got to reconcile today so he can give you the purpose of your future tomorrow. Listen to this.
before we dismiss. I just been sensing in my heart, even from being in the service, we can see God's been moving that some of us, we've got some pain places in our hearts along the journey that we need to ask Jesus to step into. For some, it's for healing, and for some, it's restoring, and for some, it's redeeming. And there's others in here today, just like the past two services, that maybe your starting point today is asking Jesus to join your journey, asking him to be the Lord of your life. You know, if you've never said yes to Jesus, can I tell you something? He's been waiting for you every day of your life. That Jesus doesn't love you as you should be. He loves you as you are. He just loves you too much to leave you there. I remember it was about two and a half years ago. You guys know my story. Went through a major burnout in my life. Left ministry that I loved and built, my family. Sitting on my back porch one day, as empty as I've ever been. Broken. I've been spending 25 years of ministry saying, Lord, I want to prove something to you. And in that moment, I was empty. I felt like a loser to my family. I felt like a loser to God. I was sitting there just weeping. Go, God, what do you want me to do for you? And I think this is a word for some of you. He said, Shane, I want you to learn to be a son to me again. I just want you to learn to be a son. The greatest freedom is having nothing to prove. And for one month, I sat there and just learned to be a son. For some of you, there's a healing place you need to find. For some of you, you just need to say yes to Jesus. Every eye closed and every head bowed for just 30 more seconds. If you're here today, if you're online, and you would say, my first step is to say yes to Jesus, Pastor, when you pray, would you include me in that prayer? All I can tell you is the greatest yes I ever said in my life was the moment when somebody asked me that question. Do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? As I pray today, if you would say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Would you, would you include me when you pray? I want to say yes to Jesus. When I count to three, no one's looking around. Would you just lift your hand and so I can see you, so I know who to pray with today? One, two, three, just your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't want to miss anyone at all. To my left, over here. Yes. Yes, right here. Anybody at all? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yes. Yes. 
over here to my right. I don't want to miss anyone at all. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Come on, let's, can we just stand together quietly and reverently? And here's what we're going to do. Let's all stand all over this room. I'm going to pray for us and all of you that raised your hand. We're going to pray this prayer with you. This is you saying, yes, Shane can't help you. I'm not pre-Shane, Father Shane. I'm just Shane. It's Jesus that saves you. We're going to pray to Jesus. After we say that prayer, we're going to open the altars. If you'd like to spend time, those of you said yes, or those of you that got some stuff you want to just talk to Jesus about, we're going to leave these altars open. But what I want you to know is your past is exactly that. And your future is written by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I confess I've sinned. I've been living without you. And today I say yes to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. And I need you. Thank you for loving me, not as I should be, but right where I am. I want to follow you all the days of my life because I believe you will put purpose in the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him a great big hand today. God bless you all. We're going to open the altars. If you'd love to pray, we'd love to have you. Otherwise, if you're a guest, we'd love to see you in the VIP room. I pray you have a great day. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.